Grace and peace be unto you, family. This is Pastor J. Ricardo Smith, and you are listening to another episode of the Place of Growth podcast, which is a way for us to do digital discipleship, where we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ to help you grow on the go. So wherever you're listening to this, whatever you may be doing, maybe cleaning your house, maybe jogging in the neighborhood, whatever you may be doing at this time, we're just so grateful that we can come in a very unique way so that you can continue to study the Word of God. Also, before we get started with today's topic, I want to ask that you would subscribe and that you would share this with friends, with loved ones, with family. We keep seemingly adding new platforms uh, where people listen to podcasts every week, and uh, you can find our show there. And so it's so exciting to do that. But not only do we want you to, to subscribe, that way you can get an update every time a brand new episode is released, but additionally, that you would also leave a review for us so that it would help others find us quickly as well and let them know how you're being blessed through this podcast. I want to tell you something funny and then we'll get into uh, the lesson. And no, I'm not Joe Osteen when I say that. Um, but because of the nature of today's podcast, it's going to be very different. I thought about taking off the intro music that is there, which is the welcome song for Brown Chapel Baptist Church. Myself and Brother Jay Stagall co-wrote that song, and I'm thinking as we even play it that we would play it during our welcome time of fellowship at our church at Brown Chapel. That's going to be uniquely different when we, when we return, but in the meantime, we've used that as a way to welcome people in to our broadcast on Sundays and even for the podcast. And so whenever my son hears it on Sundays, on Wednesdays, he says, Daddy's church is coming on. Daddy's church is coming on. And so uh, I had to leave it in today for the sake of my dear son, Jameson. Um, but I pray that you are being blessed as we continue to roll out new content on Sundays, on Wednesdays. And even last week, you got a surprise episode from the podcast. And that was our moments in ministry and medicine with Lady Rondolin. Uh, it was a wonderful time to be able to share that with you. And we look forward to giving you some amazing new content in the near future. Now to tell you more about today's unique episode. Many, many years ago, a member of our church, Sister Tiffany Wakefield, reached out to me and said, Pastor, I really wish you would consider doing podcasts. Uh, it's a wonderful way for you to be able to you know, expand your ministry, to communicate with members who may not physically come to study. It's going to be an amazing thing that you can do. And I, and I stalled. I knew it was something great, but it was something that I just didn't want to come out of my comfort zone and get out of my box to do. I've always wanted to do radio, always desired to have a radio show, even wanted to own my own radio station, but that's an episode for another day, all right? <laughs> but I put that on the back burner, and a few months prior to our needing to end in-person worship and socially distance, Sister Phyllis Clark came to me and she said, Pastor, you know, have you ever given some consideration that when there are current events and issues that come up in the community, people would love to hear your voice? Uh, maybe even people who may not be members of our church, but people would love to know what you think, uh, give your opinion, but not just your opinion. Also, that you would even show us in the word of God how to address certain issues that plague our community. And I shared with Sister Clark at the time, I think I'll do it at some point in time. I've had other people pushing me to do it. I'm, I'm just not ready. And if it's not enough for the two of them, my wife, Lady Rondolin, it doesn't matter uh, when it's been, my entire, our entire time of being together, she's always been pushing me and 
help helping me to expand and explore new opportunities and new ways to minister. And so uh, because I will continue to drag my feet on it, I believe God sent the coronavirus, not just for me, but for many of us to get out of our comfort zones and to try new things and to see how God can breathe on things that are not our norm. Podcasting may not be my norm, but something that is, is that I'm absolutely, with every fiber in my being, I love preaching. And so today I want to show you to unpack a little, another phase of my life as it pertains to the type of preaching that God has called me to do. You see, I believe that there are times in your life that you have to take a stand. And it has been said that if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And so if you know me and you know my preaching, my ultimate goal each and every Sunday is to explain the scriptures in a clear, concise way that people will first understand the original intent of the scripture to know the original context, but also how they can apply the scriptures to their lives. So I believe in a form of preaching that's called expository preaching that helps you to see the scriptures and to use the scriptures as our launching pad to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in addition to preaching expositionally, I also believe in what is known as social justice preaching. I believe that in the Bible, we read and believe in that Bible that we trust in and that Bible that we seek to live. There is something in that Bible, in those scriptures, there's something that speaks to every situation that we face. And it is the job of the preacher to speak truth to power. And when there is an issue, you use the Bible and its principles to address it. I believe God's called me to a certain level of prophetic preaching, preaching that uplifts all people, but preaching that specifically addresses concerns and uplifts the culture and community that I am a part of. I believe God has called me to speak out when our elderly are treated unfairly. I believe he's called me to speak when our children have been objectified. And I believe when something is wrong, that I have the responsibility of doing everything in my power to help make it right. I believe that God has purposed for me to follow in the footsteps of those great civil rights activists and prophetic preachers like the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Our recently dearly departed Reverend Dr. Joseph Lowry. And even those who continue to fight the good fight of faith on this side, the Reverend Dr. Jeremiah Wright, the Reverend Dr. Frederick Douglass Haynes III, all of them understood the and understand the importance of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also simultaneously recognizing that that same gospel is the gospel that liberates our people in the African-American community. And so because of this, because of how I'm wired, I deep, I was deeply outraged in 2012 when I heard of the level of injustice that had occurred in Sanford, Florida, when a young man by the name of Trayvon Martin was shot and killed by a volunteer watch guard of a housing complex. And eight years later, I still am deeply outraged as we have 
been introduced to the case of Ahmad Arbery. Brother Arbery was believed to be jogging in his own neighborhood when he was chased and murdered like an animal by a father and son in our own great state of Brunswick, Georgia. Here in the great state of Georgia, in the city of Brunswick and Glen County. And because of this injustice, it's clear to see that at times, as I'm calling this particular podcast, it's a burden to be black. It's a burden to be black because if black men had been on the side of the gun doing the shooting, they would not only be questioned, but not only would they not be released after questioning, they would be locked up and the key would be thrown away. And some of us can testify that we've been in situations in our lives where our skin color caused us to be treated differently. And if you have not experienced that as of yet, I'm going to tell you like the saints of old used to say, just keep on living. Somebody listening knows because of the color of your skin, you didn't get the job that you should have gotten. Because of the color of your skin, you were not afforded the same opportunities as others. Because of the color of your skin, restaurants have seated other people before they seated you. Because of the color of your skin, people walked to the opposite side of the road because they didn't want to be next to you on the sidewalk. Because of the color of your skin, people have clenched their purses as they have seen you coming. Because of the color of your skin, you have not been treated fairly by law enforcement. Because of the color of your skin, people have made accusations about you. And while it's not fair that in 2020, we're still having the same conversation and we are still not being judged by the content of our character, but rather by the complexion of our skin, we must remember and never forget that racism still exists today. So tonight, I want to show you in scripture a realistic view of what it means to be black. The burdens of our blackness. But not just the burdens of our blackness, I also want to show you that there are indeed blessings that come with our blackness. In Mark chapter 15, verse number 21, we find scripture, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Scripture tonight, and it says, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. Scripture says that Simon of Serene was called to the stage of Scripture and was compelled and called out by the Roman soldiers to carry the cross of Jesus. There are only three verses in the entire Bible that mention Simon of Cyrene. For a man that so little is written about, how can we say that his life was significant? For a man that only has three verses out of over 31,000 verses in the Bible, and all three verses basically say the same thing. How can we have an entire lesson on the life of Simon? I want to show you tonight that he is indeed a significant figure in the Bible. A lot may not have been written about him, but he is significant. And I got to tell you, a lot may not be written about any of us. We may never be superstars. But my friend, I want to tell you tonight that you are significant. 
One of the things that society constantly tries to feed our young black brothers and sisters is that they are insignificant. Situations like February's incidents for Ahmaud Arbery makes it seem as if we are insignificant. The subsequent lack of accountability for the murderers makes it seem as if we are insignificant. The subsequent fact that we have gone for months with not hearing anything about this story until the video was was released and now we're finding out more details. It looks as if the lives of black and brown brothers and sisters are insignificant. But I want to tell you, the Bible says we are created in the image of God in his likeness. And the Bible also says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So regardless of how I look, I am significant. Even when racism and racists try through subliminal and subtle and sinister acts to devalue us as African-Americans, we are still significant. Only three verses of scripture were written about Simon, but now entire sermons, now even books are devoted to this intriguing and impactful character from scripture. This brother from Cyrene is significant. Why is he significant? Well, the text says he's from Cyrene. Cyrene was a large city in the in North Africa that is now known as the country of Libya. And history tells us that there was a large segment of those Jewish people in the African region of Cyrene. And Simon came to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. It was time for the Jewish celebration of the Passover, and Simon of Cyrene found himself amongst many Jews in the city of Jerusalem. Here is a black man, a man of African descent, in a position to be a major figure in the history of Christianity and in the story of Jesus Christ. And at this point in time, Jesus has already been beaten to a bloody pulp. Those who were once on Jesus' side had now turned their backs on him. Those who were once shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, were now shouting, crucify him, crucify him. He had been treated in a very inhumane way, gaping holes and wounds with blood oozing out of his body. A man who had to carry his own cross as a sign of humiliation. Here is our Jesus walking the streets of Jerusalem, carrying his own cross. And now the Roman soldiers, as they are walking alongside Jesus, notice that he has become tired. And with the soldiers commanding Simon to come help Jesus carry the cross, I want to show you the first burden that comes with being black. And the first burden we see in the text is that we must carry the burden. We must take on the burden of carrying our cross. Jesus is getting weaker and weaker and the weight of the cross gets heavy. But Simon is called upon to help Jesus carry the cross. But one key thing never happens in this text. You never see that the soldiers help carry the cross. You never see that they gave Jesus a break as he traveled to his death. You never see they called on anybody else in the crowd, but they saw a black man on the side of the road and told him to help Jesus carry the cross. I must share with you that at times, there's a burden placed on us by people who think they own us and that we work for them so they can tell us what to do. After they took Jesus out of the common hall, after they stripped him, after they 
put him in a scarlet robe, after they placed a crown of thorns on his head, after they mocked him, beat him, bruised him, they compelled, in some versions even say they forced Simon of Cyrene to help carry the cross. They forced Simon to be the help. They pushed him up and said to carry the cross. And that's indicative of what we see today. Every time we're the last hired and first fired, we see the burden of being black. Even in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, it's difficult. People are afraid that they won't be able to keep jobs that they had back in February and March. Every time we have to come early and stay late while our co-workers come late and leave early, we see the burden of being black and carrying our own cross. When our ancestors and our mothers and fathers went, even my mother went out to work in the fields to pick cotton for little or no pay. We see the burden of being black and carrying our own cross. While that is the burden, there's also a blessing that comes with carrying our own cross. Because Jesus told us in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, that we have to take up our cross daily and follow him. It may not be an easy path, but we carry our cross. It may not be fun, but we carry our cross. It may at times even frustrate us to the point of being nerve wracking, but we must carry our own cross because I'm not carrying my cross because somebody else told me to do it. I'm carrying my cross because my savior told me to do it. And if I have to suffer persecution for him, then you can count me in this journey. If you, if I have to keep pressing on and keep uh, putting uh, efforts to face racism and injustice in the land, then count me in for that journey. If I have to keep on fighting the good fight of faith, then count me in for that journey. That's why each and every one of us has the burden of carrying the cross, but the blessing of carrying the cross. Because we go through painful moments as a people. Without a shadow of a doubt, the painful moments bring us closer to Jesus. Even when the weight of the cross gets heavy, we have to continue to be on the front line to stand up, to step up, and to speak up. When you carry your cross, you're going to get bloody. Your clothes are going to get dirty. You're going to be in uncomfortable positions, but God has called us to stand up, to step up, and to speak up. We have to come off the sidelines as spectators and get in the game as participators. We have work to do. We have crosses to bear. It's a burden for us to have to always stand up for righteousness, but the blessing is that when we stand for righteousness, we are doing the will of God in the earth. We don't have to keep playing the race card. It's not playing the race card. But even when we stand up, we have to go through the same mess over and over and over again. But we keep standing up, stepping up, and speaking up. Because when we stand up, when we step up, when we speak up, we can turn mess into a message. That's the work of the church. That's the responsibility of believers, not to run away from social issues, not to run away from public policy, not to run away from the justice system that is unjust at its core, but to address them. And too many of our churches, both black, white, multi-ethnic included, are too engaged and too worried about teaching people how to get rich when we can't be so spiritual that we forget about the social issues that we face when we leave the church. Now, I know that there are 
brothers and sisters on the other side. I have dear friends that are on the others that are Caucasian brothers and sisters. So I don't want to paint with a broad brush and say that everyone is not engaged in this work. But I want to tell you that it is indeed work. And what our black brothers and sisters need in times like these is for our white brothers and sisters to stand with us in this journey. So that it doesn't look like we're always playing the race card, but when there is really sincerely injustice that our white brothers and sisters are speaking up on our behalf. You see, we're in the midst of a unique time where the coronavirus has affected more and more people. And while the percentage of the African-Americans, I believe it was somewhere in the neighborhood between 30 and 40 percent of those who have caught the virus are of African-American descent. But 70 percent of those who have died with the virus are of African-American descent. Why is that? Because many of our white brothers and sisters have recovered, but at an alarming rate, the African-Americans have not had access to adequate testing. And because of our pre-existing conditions, we have falling victim to the coronavirus. But similarly, because of a pre-existing condition of skin color, we also fall victim to brutality at the hands, not of just police, but even at the hands of the privileged. And so to all of our churches, our black churches, our white churches, our multi-ethnic churches, multicultural churches. I want to emphasize a passage of scripture that I posted on social media today. I posted it from the message translation in Isaiah chapter one, verse number 13. It says, quit your worship serades. I can't stand your trivial religious games, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbath, special meetings, 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 meetings. I can't take one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, 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 while you go right on sinning. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how long or how loud or how often you pray, I will not be listening. And do you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are bloody. Go home, wash up, clean up your act, sweep your lives clean of your evil doings so I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out and stand up for the homeless. Go to bat for the defenseless. Can I tell you that that's exactly what we're doing right now in this podcast we're going to bat for the defenseless. Whether you're walking through a neighborhood with a hoodie and some Skittles or you're jogging through a neighborhood with a white t-shirt and some track shoes. When you are defenseless, you've, there are people who God is called to stand up for what is right. But those who are have bloody hands, who've been tearing people to pieces. God says enough of your evil doings. 
But we've got to learn how to say no to wrong. We got to say to Glenn County, to the DA's office, we've got to say to those brothers whose names I will not even call on this podcast. We've got to say no to wrong. Learn to do good. And that means we got to work for justice. Lest I hold you too long, I can't keep you for forever, but I can tell you this before we close. That preachers and politicians are starting to care more about economics than they care about ethics. We cannot continue to sit on the sidelines. But we've got to stand up. We've got to step up. And we've got to speak out. Too many of our forefathers were gunned down for us to sit down. They were mistreated so that we could be treated fairly. They were sprayed on so that we could carry on. We have to carry on the work. We have crosses to bear. And I came to let you know tonight that God needs more cross bearers and less cross wearers. Anybody can wear an iced out Jesus piece. But how many people can accept the burden of carrying their own cross? That's why the old church said it this way. We are soldiers in the army. We've got to fight, although we have to cry. We've got to hold up the bloodstained banner. We've got to hold it up until we die. Listen, I think I'm going to do a part two of this because I don't want to keep you for too long. But I will tell you that there is a burden in being black and being called upon to carry the cross. But there is also a blessing in being black and being called upon by God to have fellowship with Jesus' suffering and learn how to carry our own cross. Listen, I got to close, but before I close, I want to encourage all of us to pray for this family, the Arbery family, that we will pray that justice will be done, that we will pray for decision makers, that we will pray for frontline workers that will seek to continue to speak truth to power. And as we continue this journey, that we see how God has, in his divine providence, I asked God, I said, God, if it happened in February, why are we just having conversations about it in May? Why am I researching and doing my searches and finding that, you know, politicians weren't talking about it until really April. And I sensed as God led me to Isaiah chapter one, as I read for you, that God was saying to me that I needed y'all to stop having church and business as usual. And I needed you to go be the church. Stop having these meetings and church meets every, have 50 functions in the church every week. And we're not doing anything in our communities. Focus on the things that matter. People matter. And as I reach across this racial line, 
even to our brothers and sisters on the other side. When you see injustice, don't leave it up to just our community to be, to be the prophetic voices. But when you see injustice, stand up, step up, speak up. God, we thank you for this time together tonight. We thank you for the clarion call that even in the midst of the burdens that we face, that the blessings you give us far outweigh all the burdens. We pray for the family of Ahmad Arbery. We pray for any family that has had to deal with injustice at this level. We don't just pray for that family in dealing with injustice, but even for those who've dealt with the injustice of improper health care. Those who've dealt with the injustice of a political forcing of re-entry to places. Father, I pray that you will give comfort to those hearts and minds of those families. And Father, not just for the re-entries, but Father, I also ask that you would, on the other side of this coin, continue to get the attention of our black brothers and sisters to focus on things that matter. In this season, shoes don't matter. In this season, tattoos don't matter. But in this season, lives matter. And so, Lord, I pray that you will get our attention as only you can. Father, I pray for the city of Brunswick. I pray for Glenn County. I pray for the entire state of Georgia. It has been an interesting few months for the state of Georgia. But we know you are still on the throne. So we trust you even in times like these. And Father, for every person that's listening to this podcast, we pray that we don't take sound bites and sound clips, but that we understand that there's a burden that comes with being black, but there's a blessing that comes. Because as we carry that cross, just like Simon, we're getting closer to Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everyone said amen. Grace and peace again be unto you. I pray that this time of study and the sharing of your pastor's heart is revealed and that you would know that God never calls us, Brown Chapel, to be on the sidelines. But we always going to be in the game. Don't just go through this, but we growing through it. In Jesus' name, be blessed.